It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Here's Matt Slick Live. All right. I'm going to check the email because I haven't gotten any for a bit here from people, because there's nobody waiting, from people who want to talk to me uh, or email a question for the show. So let's see, let's see, let's see. Radio questions right here. And uh, got like that. There we go. Come on, open up. So if you want to, if you want to contact me, if you want to, you know, ask a question, uh, but you don't want to have time to t- call on the air, you don't want to wait, and, and that happens, all you have to do is uh, just email me at, at uh, info at and I'll be glad to look in there and see if you have any questions. And there's a, look at that. Thank you from Japan. I'm going to just read some of these, because I haven't done that. Just kind of go through some emails, because they're kind of interesting to see what happens. We've got, uh, I'm going to see this again, we've got Ring Central stuff we're trying to get to the bottom of to try and figure out how to get it so we can text people, and I'm going to do another call with them, figure it out, but if anybody's an expert in this and knows how to get it set up so that we have multiple people who can access, or even any voice email system, uh, voicemail system, uh, we have a problem with uh, Google Voice because uh, something was set up, some, I don't and I don't have the ultimate access to uh, to it, and so that's a problem. It's just one thing after another, you know, it's like, come on. Everything has been so difficult. We should just get Google Voice because that works perfectly for what we need. Uh, just, just so much. Whew. So anyway, there you go. And uh, we have five open lines, 877-207-2276. You can give me a call if you want, and we can talk. And if you're a newbie to the show, uh, this is the Christian Apologetics Show. And what that means is we answer questions on the Christian faith and defend the Christian faith. Apologetics is that branch of Christian theology that deals with the defense and the establishment of the Christian faith. And that's what we do here. And I've been working on the CARM website, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. I've been working on that for ooh, 27 years. And uh, it's one of the first uh, apologetics websites uh, on the Internet. So uh, just let you know, there's a lot of stuff there. All right, okay, five open lines, 877-207-2276. I'm just going to jump in and see what some emails. See what we got here. Um, I found this video today, thought it would be a very interesting and provocative topic to really get callers on the audience buzzing. Uh, I, I don't know to look at it and see what it is, so I can't look at that right now. And uh, let's see, may I call you this logic reflecting God's thoughts? We'll call the radio show, whoever it is, and uh, like offer an internal and external critique. Well, if you want, you call up the show. Or if you're interested tonight, um, tonight uh, at let's see, in uh, three hours, I'll be on Clubhouse answering questions. That's what I do each Wednesday night for an hour or two. So if you are interested in participating in that, all you have to do is go download on your phone Clubhouse or on the PC is Club Deck. And uh, you go in there, just look for my name around 7 o'clock uh, my time, which is 9 o'clock Eastern time. 9 o'clock Eastern time, you'll find a room, and people just they hop in, and we have uh, deeper discussions a lot of times right there. All right, so, all right, let's uh, I'll catch you up on some stuff. There was a, a Facebook page that, uh, let's just say I was involved with, called Christian Apologetics uh, Facebook page, and we're no longer involved with that one at all. 
And so what we've done is opened up another one. And that is called uh, Apologetic Minds. Apologetic Minds. And so we're going to be working on that and updating it. And if you are interested in checking it out, please do. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm looking at the right one. You know what? I'm going to go. There's two that have the same uh, name. So let's see. Let's see. Make sure I'm getting the right one there. The reason I'm saying is because apologetics, apologetic minds. I think it's apologetic right minds, plural. And uh, let's see if that's a different one right there. No, that's there. this one. And I'll look again. So we're hoping to get people involved with it because one of the things we want to do there is to um, make people aware more of, of apologetics issues. We want people to follow the, the faith of, the, of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want people to understand who Jesus is. And maybe we'll even have some uh, teaching stuff on that as well. So uh, there you go. And it looks like the only thing I see on it, and they can verify, because we just released this uh, a little bit ago. And it uh, ends with 2-6. Let's see if that's the same thing I get. Nope, not. I don't get the same one as that. Let me check this out. Maybe it's not even linked up there. Can you put that in the private chat? And there it is in the private chat. Now I can open it up and see. There. Ah, that's the one. Apologetic Minds. Maybe uh, Laura can put it up on the CARM homepage or near the radio thing. And uh, it's brand new. And, uh, oh, I like that. That's really good. Look at that graphic. So uh, good stuff. And it ends in uh, two six is the thing. We'll, we'll change the name. I guess we'll work on stuff. Change the name to Apologetic Minds to make sure, or Dot Minds, whatever it is. So people can just, instead of typing in numbers, they can uh, they get to that. And uh, yeah, look at all that stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Look at that. So we're going to try and get that going and see how many people want to join in. And we'll be using this Apologetic Minds. All right. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. All right. Yes, I am. It's okay. Just kind of catching up and doing CARM business right here at the Intergalactic Headquarters. That's what I call it, the Intergalactic Headquarters. All right, let's go. Let's see if we can get to Ryan oh, from Pennsylvania. Ryan, welcome. You're on the air. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, I'm the guy who uh, sent the email about um, reflecting God's thoughts. And so uh, thank you for inviting me to call. And um, okay. you, it's my understanding that you're saying that... Uh, Logic is a reflection of God's thoughts. Is that correct? Well, I've got to be careful how I say that because uh, you know, it's, his mind is the condition in which true logical thought exists. And since he's the ubiquitous uh, being and we're made his image, then when we think logically and critically in a loose sense, we're thinking the thoughts of God after him. But it is based upon him, and without his mind, the universal laws of logic would not exist. Okay, how do we distinguish between something that is a reflection of God's thoughts and something that is not? With a mirror? That's that, okay, a good well, joke. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, reflecting his thoughts and not? What do you mean? Because reflecting his thoughts, how do we define exactly what that is? We have to address the issue of God by analogy. That's what we do. Okay. Here's my contention, okay, that um, the only thing we know about God's thoughts is the manner in which God has revealed them, and he has revealed them in the person of Christ, in the scriptures, and uh, in creation, primarily. Yes. And uh, that we we really have no um, uh, knowledge at all 
uh, of the thoughts themselves, only in how they are revealed. Yes. And um, to to talk about something reflecting God's thoughts is not something that is not only not known, it's not knowable with any degree of certainty. And so the idea that logic is a reflection of God's thoughts is um, should be uh, set aside simply because it's something that cannot be known with any degree of certainty. Well, I disagree. So where do you think the universal laws of logic come from, the classical laws, law of identity, law of non-contradiction, law of excluded middle, proper inference? Where do they come from? All of logic and all of mathematics are extracted models from our encounters with the world around us. That's what the atheists say. Just so you well, know, it's exactly um, what they say. it happens to be true. So whether it's what they okay. say or what they don't say, it is nonetheless the truth. Okay, can you show me where you extract from nature if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C? Okay, let me give you another analogy. Um, I um, encounter the world around us. Let's say I take a walk in the woods, and I pick up two acorns in one hand and two acorns in another hand. And at the end of my walk, I put them into my uh, into one hand, and I extract out from that two plus two equals four. I encounter I the say world that, around us, and hang on. Um, and I've um, encountered the world around us, and I inspect a lot of canine species, and, I've, um, and I say, all dogs are mammals. Uh, that is a logical statement that is extracted from the world around us. It presupposes the laws that are extracted. It, it presupposes the universality of the laws in order for you to convey that to me, because if you're the one who observes it, how do you know I'm observing it differently or the same? What you're presupposing in that is the universality of those laws and the continuity between minds and be able to understand them. Since our minds are different based on our different brains, they cannot be that they are reflected accurately simply in our minds, because my mind is different than your mind, so we don't know if we're seeing and perceiving the same thing. Therefore, those laws have to exist independently of us and, and obtain a transcendental value. That's why I can recognize it and you can recognize it. So, uh, well, you would do you understand say that, that when you when you're when you're talking about them being independent of nature, you are full scale, full stop endorsing Platonic idealism. When you're no, talking not. about hardness and redness and blueness, no, you're talking you're talking about Platonic idealism, pure and simple. No, I reject Platonic idealism. I hold to to Christian necessity of God being the precondition for all intelligibility. Since nothing existed, let me ask you, before the universe existed and only God existed, when nothing existed outside of God, whatever that nothing is, it's nothing, it's what rocks think of, was logic true then? There was no logic because there was no human to extract it. Okay, so was God thinking logically? There was no logic? Uh, we don't know anything about God's thoughts. We only know how uh, uh, the, uh, the revelation of God. So we so don't can know God anything think, with any degree of certainty of the thoughts of God. Can God think illogically? Sure. So can I. And uh, illogical wow. thoughts can produce uh, okay. logical statements. Sure. Would you agree that whatever property God uh, possesses, he cannot possess its opposite? Like if he's holy, he can't uh, also possess unholiness? Okay, now we're getting away from logic and into theology. No, we're not. And we're no, getting we're into a different guess we are. Yes, we are. No, 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 um, because we're, we're one of the same. The theological concept. I just, I, I asked you no, a question, not. a question about God. Okay. I'm going to apply it. So, can God, because he, who he is, possess the opposite characteristic of what he possesses? If he is holy, can he also possess not holy? I don't know. Uh, as I said, the only thing that we know of God okay. is the manner in which he is revealed. So, if God is, would you agree that God is eternal by nature? Right. Sure. 
That is Would what you I believe. agree? Yes. That's his, that's his property of eternal existence. Can he also possess the property of not eternal existence? Sure. He, he reveals himself in temporal patterns all the time. We're talking about his nature, not temporal pattern natures. God's nature and his essence, he is always, Malachi 3.6, he's unchanging, Psalm 90, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, he is mm -hmm. God. So he possesses the quality of eternity and aseity. Do you mm -hmm. know what aseity is? Okay. Can I, he also um, possess? I forget the exact he, definition. Aseity is his eternal non-contingency. He's eternally self-sufficient in and of himself. So, can he also possess that opposite characteristic, where he's not et uh, eternally uh, a say, where he is contingent? Um, so, if he's non-contingent, can he also be the case that he is contingent for his existence? Um, I would say, in in uh, my belief, I would say no. In the biblical then, revelation, then again, of course, not. Yeah, and so that what we're seeing here is that the logic is true, that we can't have A and also not A at the same time. Because the statement that yes, God whatever property whatever property God possesses, he cannot also possess its opposite. So a seity, or he is a say. So a seity is the eternal It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Non-contingency and self-sufficiency completely in himself. So by definition, by logical necessity, he cannot also be contingent and dependent upon other things. Okay. It's not possible for both then of those to be properties of God. So therefore, what we see is something is what it is and is not what is not based on the character of God and not secular thought. Okay, then let me ask you this. Is there only one definition of identity, logical identity? I don't know. But I'm telling you what we're talking about when, we, when I say the term, something is what it is and is not what it is not. And, those, and I did mention earlier the classical laws of logic. So the, the three main laws, law, you know you know this L-I, L-N-C, and L-E-M. You should know these. Right. And we also know that it's true that God cannot possess a characteristic opposite of what he himself is. This is just part of his nature. Therefore, we can ground the laws of logic in God's nature. But if you say that they're just part and parcel or observations out of nature, then how do you know you're observing nature? Then you get an epistemological thing, and epi you know, no, epiphenomenalism. Hang on. Hang on. Here, here is the, um, the, the key to it. It is possible that my observations are inaccurate. Therefore, we do multiple uh, observations, and uh, other people doing different observations, making different tests of the observations. And uh, after doing all of those things, we can say all dogs are mammals. We can say that um, um, that if it's a dog, then it's a mammal. And those are logical statements directly drawn from the world around us. Now, the, the reason I ask you about uh, multiple definitions of identity is because there are multiple ident uh, definitions of identity. Well, hold on. And there are different Let's kinds back. of Wait, 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 wait. You said uh, something. I want to address it before you, you dismiss it as, as if you made a point because you didn't. You're, when you say all these people make these observations, you're presupposing the uniformity yeah. of nature, which you can't defend from your position. You're presupposing that they're per perceiving the same thing. You have an epistemological thing, and you can't justify true belief with what your position is. And then you have to ask the question, well, are all people observing the same thing the same way so that they can make the same statement? Because what you're talking about here are particular. And then we get into the, the issue of what's the uh, the ultimate nature of reality. Is it one or many? Is it a single universal or is it particular manifestations? Are you familiar with that issue at all? You want in the many issue? Yes, I am. Very familiar. Okay. So then, uh, are these particular manifestations of, say, trees and, and chairs, 
do you hold to, uh, what, what, let me ask you, which one do you hold to being ultimate, the one or the many? The particular manifestations of chairs that you observe, and then you draw conclusions out of that, which seems to be your position, or is it the nature of chairness? Which is it? it well, if it's the nature of chairness, then that's platonic idealism. If it's going to be um, the, um, uh, the, there's a problem going both directions. First of all, if you're uh, going to um, deduce chairness from the single chair, that's platonic idealism to the hilt. If you're going to go from the universal to the uh, particular, then you're going to have a problem because it's always corrupted when it's actualized in a fallen world. So uh, we have there's what's problems called... going both directions in trying to solve it. Okay, but Christian here's my idealism. Point again. But you're making wait, 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 okay, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Because you're 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 saying then. So which is it? Which is the ultimate nature of reality? Then is it the one thing, the universal, or is it the particular things, the 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 particulars? Which one is the ultimate thing by which you interpret actuality? Because what you're telling me is you observe things in the universe. That's called atomism. You're looking at the particulars and you're saying this is how we draw the universal. That's your position, right? No, that's not my position. I said what we, is your position? that's how we draw models. That was how we draw logical okay. and mathematical models. Then you have a problem. Okay, no, you've mistakenly no, rejected. No, I'll, I'll explain what your problem is right now. You've mistakenly assumed that uh, Platonism is the only view and that Christians can't hold to it. We don't hold to Platonism, but we certainly can hold to a Christian-based idealism, that there are actualities okay. out there that exist in the mind of God. And we would say that one and many are equally ultimate in the nature of God, since he's one being in three persons. If you're going to go with the plurality... Because God's a trinity. One person, okay. one God in three but, persons. Um, Hold on, let me explain. If you just go with your, your idea that you're looking at the particular manifestations as the determiner of these universal truths, then you've lost the coherence between the particulars because you haven't presupposed the validity of the coherent nature behind them. And reality then becomes a set of unrelated items, and this undermines uh, coherence and truth values. This is what I'm trying to show you. Okay, is hang a, on. This is a problem for you. Okay, here's what I'm trying to show you. There are multiple logical systems that have different definitions of logical identity. Therefore, there, the, the definition of identity changes. It varies. Therefore, it is not unchanging okay. and not universal. Okay. The same thing so with then, contradiction. The same thing with uh, law of experimental. And, um, go ahead. We didn't even have a break. We went right through the break or something. Um, that's okay. Uh, what's the ultimate source of your conclusions? Is it looking at the material world and drawing conclusions out of materiality? The ultimate source. Where do you go the to? The ultimate source. Yeah. Uh, ultimate. Where I begin is what the where I begin is what the empirical and the existential. That's where okay. all knowing begins. Okay. So you are a uh, humanist. Yeah. You're, no. you're a humanist. Yes, you are. No. Yes. No, I'm not. I'm yes. Christian. I'm no, you're not. You're a humanist. I'm not a humanist. Well, you may be a Christian, but you're inconsistent because the ultimate is God Himself, because all reality exists because God has made it, and He says, God Himself says. In Romans one twenty, which is something you need to study, Romans one twenty, he says the divine nature of God is clearly seen in creation, the divine nature. Now, God is one and many. He is one being and three persons. So he had the equal ultimacy of the one and the many, which is reflected in creation. What you're doing is putting creation, a materialistic view, as the final thing and the ultimate by which knowledge is no. gained, and you're doing it without God as being the centerpiece. You just said so. That is not... You said, no, I didn't. I said that's you said the empirical... You said empirical. That's, that's empiricism. That's from your senses. That, that is where I begin. That is not where I end. And you should begin with God. God. 
begins with the empirical justice. Uh, Romans one twenty says it begins with uh, creation. We see it in creation, and we um, we observe it in creation. No, and you're, you're, is, um, yeah. the, you're, you're, okay, you're I begin with the empirical and the existential, but that is not where I am. I am a Christian why is, man. I am why is that the right place? Why is that the right place to begin? Because that's where the gospel begins. No, uh, yeah. we're beginning God. Okay, so no. that's where the beginning is. It's that's the ultimate. Of, God is the just, ultimate. You start with okay, God. Okay, hang on. The gospel message begins with the word became flesh and no. dwelt among us. No, 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 that no, no. You're, you're, I get you. I get you. You're beginning with the earthly. I'm saying the ultimate. What's the ultimate source of your truth? You went with the physical. The ultimate source of our truth is God himself. You're an empiricist, which is based out of humanism. And dwelt among us. You're an no, empiricist, which is based in humanistic philosophy. You just no. said, you just, Ryan, you, you said, you said. Let me ask you this: Do you gather information through your senses, and that's where you begin your knowledge search? That's correct. That's where we all begin. Empiricism. That's empiricism. So, your epistemological base is empirical. How do you know that's yes, the right place to begin? Is. Everyone's is. Now you're saying, now you're saying there's a universal truth statement that everyone is empirical and assumes empiricism, but the rationalists wouldn't agree with you, and neither uh, and empiricism has its own problems with inherent within it. Come on, Ryan, you're supposed to know yeah. this stuff. If you want to argue on this level, well, you need to know these things. Okay. First of all, when we when we when we read the scriptures, are we using our senses <clears throat> to read the scriptures? <clears throat> There's the mute button. Yes, we Obviously, use our right, senses. We're reading it with our eyes. Yes, of course okay. we are. So our knowledge but of God through the scriptures begins with the empirical. Where the do scriptures come from? Where's the scriptures huh? come from? Obviously, they're they're written on a page, and we can read them. That's where our knowledge of the scriptures begins. Where and does the scripture come the from? Thing. Where's it come from? What do you mean? It came from those uh, the writers who uh, who wrote them, and uh, where they wrote about it? their encounters with God. Where did they get it? Uh, they've got it from their own experience in the natural world, their experience with okay. God. No, God's the ultimate source of all things. Okay? So you don't have he God may, as the ultimate source. He may very well source. be, Matt, but... He okay, may he well, well be? be you mean that there are yes. things that exist that were not brought into existence by the direct or indirect action of God's work? No, what I'm saying is, is that uh, those are things, again, the only way we know anything about God is the manner in which he has chosen to reveal them to us. Okay, we know nothing of the thoughts themselves. We know nothing of the essences themselves, except how oh. he is revealed. Okay, so you are. We know the revelation of God. You don't realize what you're doing is contradicting yourself, because you're using no, rationality no. to verify your empiricism. That's rationalism. Mm -hmm. The rationalists would say that you have to go even with your senses, because you can't trust your senses to know what rea what to experience reality accurately. You have to use your mind. Hence, you move into rationalism. So, which are you, a rationalist mm -hmm. or an empiricist? Uh, I, as I told you before, I begin with the empirical because that's where we all begin. We begin as existing things before we believe anything, so, before we know anything. So you and justify this. You justify your empiricism rationally. You don't begin well, with empiricism. You begin with rationalism. There are limitations to the. There are limitations to the empirical. There's a limitation to the rational. In fact, of the matter is, both of those schools have collapsed. Okay. And also, and so, idealism has collapsed. And so, if all you use hold on, let's your empiricism. Have also if you use empiricism sorry, to validate what? empiricism, then you're begging the question. That's well, what you're doing. again, 
uh, what I begin with is not empiricism. I begin with the, uh, the fact that I'm an existing thing, and as an existing thing, I encounter an you know existing world. How do you know you're an existent thing? Huh? From your senses? That's well, empiricism okay. again. If you so want you're to... using empiricism to okay, validate empiricism. It's, it's a circular argument. Okay. It work. It's not working. Okay. If you'll stop interrupting me, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you, okay? You try. I begin with the assumption that I'm an existing thing. As an existing thing, I, I encounter things in an existing world. As I encounter things in an existing world, I ascertain uh, knowledge of the world around me. Sometimes yeah, it is uh, axiomatic. Gonna... Sometimes it is... Yeah, there's uh, a break. Yeah, it's a break. We got to go to. Sorry, we're done. But uh, you're just using empiricism to validate empiricism, which is circular, doesn't work, refuse itself. Hey, we got to go, buddy. Okay. Hey, folks. Three open lines. Want to give me a call? Eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I enjoyed the previous conversation. I do that a lot in different venues, argue like that, and even deeper things. Uh, For me, it's entertainment. I hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of it, for those of you who could understand. (laughs) All right, let's get to Josh from Tennessee. Josh, welcome. You're on the air. Josh. Are you there, Josh? Okay, there we go. Can you hear me? Yes, now I hear you. All right. Um... So my question is, um, do you believe in following the kosher laws? If so, why? If not, why? Don't need to follow the kosher laws uh, because the Bible says that we don't need to. And um, uh, in, uh, I'll show you the th- three, uh, three verses. Uh, Romans, excuse me, Hebrews, uh, three pericopes, I should say. Hebrews 8.13. When he said a new covenant, he's made the first obsolete. Okay, that's Hebrews 8.13. Hebrews 9.15 and 16. For this reason, he's the mediator of a new covenant. And it goes on, verse 16, where the covenant is, there must be necessity to be the death of the one who made it. So with the death of Christ is the new covenant. Now what we do is go to uh, Romans 14. Now accept the one who's weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he was weak, eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and each one, and the one who eats is not to judge the one who does not eat, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge a servant or, or of another? To his own master he must stand or fall, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 5, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. And it goes on, it says, He who observes a day, observe it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, gives thanks. Who does not eat does it for the Lord. So right there, and what I've given you, is uh, why we don't need to keep kosher laws. You can if you want, but we don't, not obligated to. Okay? Hope it didn't blow his mind with all of that. I could just, you know, maybe he's willing to go, and the line went dead. Who knows? Maybe he'll call back. All right, let's go to Gary from Georgia. Gary, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, man, thanks. Um, you, you know, my, my question is, like, pertain, pertaining to... Uh, when Nicodemus and Jesus had met. Mm-hmm. So I, kn- I know Nicodemus was a, um, was like a religious, uh, you know, he was a religious leader. I, what I'm just wondering is, um, and, and I know the verse and, you know, I know the, the context and the text of it, but uh, do, do we know if Nicodemus went to heaven or was he born again? I mean, was, we don't know. Something we don't know. 
We don't know. Okay. But it looks like... I don't know why that... It looks like it was Nicodemus who gave the uh, grave to for Jesus to use. So Nicodemus probably was a believer. Probably. Probably. But we'll just, probably yeah, probably. Well, if he was. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. That's like some of the kings. Uh, did, you know, speaking of that, uh, did, did, we, did, did King Solomon go to heaven? I don't know. I don't know uh, yeah. because he got he got uh, the smackdown from Jesus and some others. Uh, no, so man. who knows? That's what yeah. I got gotcha. you. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thanks, look. All right, hey, no problem, man. God that bless. Be it. Okay, you got any other? Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious why you asked because what's what's up that brought that up? I'm just curious. Well, I, I you know what? Um, really, I just I, I just you know. Um, I don't. I don't want to see anybody go to. I don't. I wouldn't want to see anybody go to hell. Hell, but um, me either. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I would never. I would never wish that on anybody. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be bad. There's something I thought about. I, like I said, I read about. I know the the the, um, the sins. I've read the sins that King Solomon. You know, he he got sucked into, which is you know, with the uh, the uh, was it the foreign women, and I know God had warned him. You know about that, and he just ignored it. But um, what yeah. I took of the story, I haven't read all of this. Right. Well, he, you know, he loved God, and then he wanted wisdom, and but yet it failed him, because wisdom is not the best thing to have. It's relationship with Christ. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, he did ask for that. That's right. Well, God gave him not just wisdom; he gave him pretty much everything. But yeah. it's kind of hard to see him fall away like that. But uh, it's kind of hard to imagine that. But yeah, all we can say it is took a, took a lot of years. All we can say is we don't know. We hope we see him in heaven. God's faithful, and we're not, <laughs> and we'll see. You know, we'll just see. That's true. That's, That's true. Yeah, like right. King David. Uh, you know, King David did. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he went to heaven. I just like I said, I, I don't really like worry about it because there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Obviously, right, right. But um. But, Okay. Yeah, the religion. I, I, you know, mainly. I real quick. I know that you know. I I, I evangelize on a, a website, and, and and I I can't tell you the questions on there. You know, people were just all types of. You know, it seems like the. Maybe you know more about. I know some about religions. I, I've never. You know, I've never. Put any of my. Uh, I've never had to. You know, turn to any of that because I I was just born again, and I mean okay. I know that. You know all Could that. You... Though, can you uh, send, send me the URL for that website so that I can look at some of the questions? Because one of the things I like to do is just read questions okay. and then write an article yeah. as an answer. So just send it to me, sort of, because I don't want a, an unbelieving website to be promoted here. But send it to me, info at karm.org, okay? All right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's info. It's info. Say again? Info at karm, C A R M, dot O R G. All right? I'll send that to you, bud. Yep. All right, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yep, see you, bud. God bless you, bud. bud. Okay, you too. Thanks. All right, let's get on the air with Linda from, let's see, where is she from, North Carolina. Linda, welcome. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I want to preface my uh, question by letting you know that uh, the reason I can't look this uh, question up is because I'm homebound, I'm 77, and I don't have any technology in my home, and none of my books address this. Can you explain what the gap theory is mm-hmm. and give me some Bible verses that I can go back and reference it. And my last question is, I'm oh, on let's a do that cell one. phone. Let's, let's do that one. Let's do that one. Um, let's do one at a time. 
So the gap theory is the theory that between Genesis 1, verse 1, and verse 2, that there's a gap. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they say there's a gap. Uh, and the earth was uh, f uh, formless and void, and darkness was over the face. So what they're saying is that God made everything really great. Then there was an angelic fall, and then earth was destroyed, and God had to kind of remake it. This kind of thing is what the gap theory is about. Okay? And no, we don't hold to it. All right? Okay? Okay, and before you made the statement that earth was destroyed and God had to remake it, what did you say before that line? I don't remember before that line. Okay. Are, okay. are you listening I you, to... I got you where you... Are you listening to the Shepherd's Chapel Genesis? at all? Are you listening to the Shepherd's Chapel? What? Are you listening no. to the Shepherd's Good. Yeah. Okay, good. Don't no, sir. No, no okay. sir. Okay. So that's all it is, just the gap okay, theory. Okay, so. That there's, that's what it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when it, it talks about the, the gap theory, is this, uh, okay, I think I can, I think I can figure it out with what you've told me. Yeah, don't believe in it. Thank you so. Don't, yeah, don't believe in no, it. No, okay. I, I don't. I just wanted a definition of it. Yes, it's basically the idea that between the first two verses in the Bible, that there was an entirely different creation, Genesis one and two, and some claim that uh, that Satan's fall is what wiped everything out, and God had to remake things. That's what they're. That's what it is. The gap between Genesis one and two. They insert a period of time where there was a great problem in the spiritual realm that affected the earth, and it had to be remade. Okay. Okay. The Bible doesn't so doesn't the, teach it. Okay. Right. So the truth is that there was nothing. It was God created it, and then that's when it started, and there was nothing before. Yeah, God uh, started in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And then the only other in the beginning is in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And notice that uh, it says in the beginning God said, let there be light, the Word. But so there's a relationship there. So uh, it's just a, it has to do with the Hebrew and how they'll use certain words to try and say that, well, in the, in the Hebrew it means this. But just people who do that are reading into the text. Okay, it just yes. says... Yes. That God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was formless and void. That earth was wasn't uh, it was a waste. It was uh, empty. It was formless and void, but it was there. And darkness is over the surface of the earth. And then God started creating or moving things around. Let's just say. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. I understand. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. God. Bye bye. Bless. Okay. Bye. Hey, we have. Let's see, four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Why do you give me a call? And we'll blab. Or you can email me, info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get on the air with Chris from Idaho. Hey, Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt, how are you? Uh, busy, a little tired, just a touch. I didn't have enough sleep. I'm busy today and a little distracted. Uh, that's how I am. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay, so my question is regarding, this is, this is probably kind of something, you, I, I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's kind of a weird 
uh, I guess, way of thinking about things. But um, if you were to entertain the idea of something more negative being behind everything in life, uh, like, I guess, like, going, yeah, yeah, like the the, uh, God is evil type. if, no, if no, 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 don't, don't do that. Yeah, you don't go there. But, but that, anyway, but I know you get it. Get the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to entertain that idea, you would be committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. No. If you were to ever, ever consider that uh, idea. Okay. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is saying that Jesus did his miracles by the power of the evil one. And this is something that some things think only the... Um, the uh, Jews at the time of Christ could have uh, have committed. Some say it's possible to be committed now. It's a very very heinous sin. It will, and if you, you know anyone who commits it, you're going to hell. Can a Christian commit it? No. And so uh, this is for those who actually did not approve of Christ. They hated Christ, what he was doing, and they accused him of evil. And that's what that is. So if you're a Christian, don't worry about it. And I had to teach it, not teach how to do it, but I mean teach about it the topic. And just teaching about it doesn't mean I committed. So just being aware of it doesn't right. mean that. Okay. Okay. Does that help? So, yeah, yeah that helps. Out. Uh, so that idea that I had, though, like, is that because I've I've listened to some philosophy debates and, and uh, about God is you know evil. Um, like, that's what's your thoughts on that? I mean, well, here's the thing. What is he, what is the most convincing thing for you to believe that he's good? Because you can kind of reverse everything. Whatever attribute God has, he does not possess its opposite. Do you understand that principle? Whatever yeah. attribute God has, he doesn't possess its opposite. So if he's eternal, it cannot also be the case that he's not eternal. If he's good, it cannot be the case that he's bad. Okay? Right. You're if talking about essence, right? Yeah, that's right. If he's bad, it cannot be that he's good. So if he's bad, then how could it then be, be known that he's bad? We would have to have a standard of goodness by which we could declare it. But how would we know? Is the goodness decided by what we think, what we observe? You'd never know. When someone says, well, God right. might be evil, well, then how do you know? What's the universal standard of evil that they have? They don't have that. But evil is self-contradictory because evil is do what I say, not what I do, hypo- hypocrisy. Uh, evil is lying when something is not true and says to be true and other things that evil is you know, harmful. So can God say something that's not true? Well, if he does, and he's contradicting his own ultimate nature if he was pure now the devil is fallen and his nature is evil and so there's no good in him so what we have here's a contrast between right. the very nature of good and evil and only in christian theology hold on one sec is it the case that god has self-revealed himself as good it's the christian worldview that says that god is good the unbelievers what they're doing is say well how do you know god is is evil but i'll say to them what's your standard by which you would judge that because to ask a question means you believe there's a universal good. But if there's a universal good, how are you going to know there's a universal good? What's the standard you're going to use? If you use your own standard or a standard of vote, then that doesn't tell us anything. The question ultimately becomes meaningless because they can't determine what is good and what is not bad or not good. So therefore, we have to go to the self-revealed will of God. If he's evil, then how is it then that the greatest act of love is a sacrifice of Christ, which is other-centered, which everyone acknowledges as good, not that we define it as such. How could that be an evil thing? To bring to the betterment others through your sacrifice. It certainly seems intuitional to say that such things are naturally good. 
Now, if then we have to be careful that we don't want to use that as a judgment of how God is good, because then we're saying God subject himself to our goodness. And then that's evil to do that, because he's a standard of good. So you see, this whole thing becomes a difficulty when the people ask these questions. Um, they don't know how to get through the difficulties associated with the question. Okay? Right. Well, and then I heard Lane Craig say something, you know, like... Uh, only a being that is perfectly good would be deserving of worship. Like yeah, but that doesn't, I guess that it doesn't like answer the question. Arguments. Yeah, it doesn't answer the question of whether or not God is good or bad. But, yeah. Right, right, it doesn't. But, yeah, yeah, he brought that point up. and um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't really address that. But I, I appreciate you touching on that for me. Now, there's also a, uh, let me see if I can find it. Let's see. On Karm, I'm trying to remember an article. Uh, it's called, oh, what's it called, what's it called? Uh, oh, it's right there. Uh, a deceptive, I'll get it here in a second, a demon, let's see. There's a word for a scenario. Descartes? Uh, Descartes, no, it's something he came up with. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's an it's a, it's a evil demon scenario. Right, That's the evil demon thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, called the Cartesian and, and, scenario. Then this would miss yeah. it if if an evil demon is deceiving us, or if God Himself is evil, for example. Right. Then what it's, that would necessitate that evil demon is greater in scope and knowledge than the Christian Trinitarian God, who by definition is everywhere. So this question essentially becomes an external critique, not an internal one. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is why a Cartesian and, uh, and, and I, doesn't work. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and I think he, but he was he was Christian. He just kind of brought up that scenario just to to yeah. point out what you just said, right? Like that was kind of right. Yeah, I get Go it. Ahead. So I think I wrote an article on the Cartesian uh, scenario on Karm. And let's see if I did. Okay. Because there's so many things I yeah, write. Yeah. So it's yeah. Argument against God's word. existence and using then, Cartesian scenarios. Yeah, just look at Cartesian scenario, and I have uh, some analysis okay. of some stuff on there. Okay. Okay. All right, man, I'll take a look. I appreciate you answering that. No problem, buddy. God bless. Okay. All right, let's get to Janet from Ohio on evolution. Hey, Janet, welcome. You're on the air. Oh, I am? I'm listening to radio. and uh, (laughs) You're on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So I was wanting to know uh, why we are um, so insistent against people who believe that they were made out of animals or or whatever yet we can believe that adam was made out of something not the word of god and that eve was made out of something pre-existing when we have genesis 1 that is so beautiful of the entire creation of the entire world and yet we and we get to the point where he made man in his image. He okay, just I'm, not, spoke. I'm not sure I understand the question. What's your question again? What's the? I was wanting to know why we believe Genesis two and three versus Genesis one being created by the Word in Genesis one. Okay, I can't answer why people believe certain things. So I'm, I'm still not sure what your question is. Well, I was just wanting to know why uh, everyone keeps preaching, all the churches keep preaching, that Jesus made uh, Adam out of dirt, 
and technically, he, technically, that's not accurate. It was God. Yeah, the pre-existent well, Christ. Yeah, because Jesus came into existence two thousand years ago when the human nature and the divine nature became in union. He was not pre-existing as Jesus to that prior to that. So what we would say is simply God created. That's just what it says. So just leave it at that. God created, and said, "Let us make man." Okay. Well, and Isaiah nine six says, "For unto us a child is born, and unto us the son is given." His yes, name but you're shall talking called wonderful. Yeah, I get that. That's a prophecy of Jesus' birth. But you're talking about Genesis 1. And the, okay, I'm still not following you. Oh, well, just that he's trying to explain about himself and how much he loves us and he made us in his image. And then we forget that Satan said, I'm going to screw up God's image for mankind so they won't know God from me and I'm going to be God. So... That's okay. where I believe... You have a question, because it sounds to me like you're trying to teach. And I don't know who you are. Oh. I'm just being cautious. I don't know what your question is. So what's your question? Oh, I just want to know why we believe in Adam and Eve being uh, evolved from some pre-existing material we versus don't. Genesis 1 spoken into existence. We believe what the Bible says. Uh, science is provisionary. What that means is it's, it provides something until something better comes along. So science can't produce absolute truth that exists uh, independent of the scientific method. But what the Bible says is that Adam was created by God. And there's plenty of stuff against the theory of evolution, but it's suppressed in schools and universities. But there's lots of information out there uh, that exposes it and problems. And you can go looking on the web and you can look up uh, information disproving in evolution. And you can find all kinds of books and articles, but they're not allowed. One of the things, unfortunately, for example, the intelligent design community was supposed to have a discussion, lecture, debate at a certain university, and the students rose up and said, don't even allow them to speak. Because they were suppressing a counter view. Yeah, our schools are leftist, you know, factories. But no. so there's lots of evidence out there to the contrary. I have, I collect evidence like that uh, on notes and stuff. But anyway, okay. I don't know if that helps or not. Um, not really. But uh, yeah, I believe I believe some wonderful things about God that no one else believes. So I just wanted to share I guess with you and see I mean when Jesus was born she said let it be according to thy word I mean he wasn't made out of Jesus wasn't made out of pre-existing material he was spoken it's a non-sequitur it's a non-sequitur it's a wrong question don't say he wasn't made out of pre-existing material Jesus is like a human being but he has two natures in him a a human and a divine that's all okay yeah. So that, According to him, we do too. No, we did okay, not pre-exist. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. No, we did not pre-exist. Thank you okay. for your time. All right. Wow. You know, uh, no, we did not pre-exist, folks. And that's just, uh, it sounds like she talked with the Mormons. Mormons erringly teach we had pre-existence uh, in heaven between God and his goddess wife who came from their planet, and then they have relations, produce spirit offspring, and we inhabit human bodies when we're born on earth. That's what Mormonism teaches. And it's absolutely not uh, biblical. And if any Mormons are listening, they say, is that what we teach? Absolutely, yes, it is. You just don't know it. 
The Mormons officially teach that. That's what their official documents and stuff has said for years and decades. Okay, folks, we're out of here. There's the music. May the Lord bless you. And by his great grace, we'll be back on here tomorrow. And hopefully we'll talk to you then. And remember, tonight at, uh, in two hours from now, 9 p.m., I'll be on Clubhouse answering questions. God bless.